Hello, friends, and welcome into Betting Pros College Football Week 8 Early Line Look Ahead. I am Chris Welsh, hosting the dynamic duo of Eric Froton and Thor Nystrom. You can find these two fine gentlemen at Thor KU and CF Froton. Get them on the Twitter, the X, and also make sure you're following over on the Betting Pros app, which we'll talk about in a little bit, so you can follow all the bets. We are looking at all the games, where we can get value. But first, let's bemoan how ridiculously stupid Colorado is for losing me all <laughs> the money by having a 29-0 first half lead and then... There was a bunch of stupid games this weekend. I was on with uh, Farrell and Bogman uh, Thor early in the week, and I was like, ah, I just got to back USC. <laughs> week six NFL, week seven college football. It's a little eye-opener for me. Is there anything we can feel good about after just watching money get drained down the sink <laughs> and the toilet, Thor? Yeah, the the weekday games, I, I was ready to put my fist through the, the television. I lost on the, the Hail Mary in the West Virginia game uh, w w with Holgo. Uh, yeah, and then the, the next night with Coach Prime was up. 29 to nothing. And I, you know, I think I had uh minus 10 and a half or minus 11 in that one. And I was about ready to go to bed and then Stanford just start putting up the couple touchdowns. I'm like, Oh, I'm still okay. And then it was like, Oh boy, I'm, I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm really not okay. Uh, luckily my Saturday was, was good. Um, so I, I was able to, you know, get off the ledge, I guess, uh, you know, and, and turn that thing around or whatever. But, uh, yeah, we, we had a fun, like a really fun, uh, college football Saturday. And in addition to the betting, the, the action on the television screens, the, the, the noon, uh, slate we knew wasn't going to be very good, you know, so we got some, you know, cleaning of the house done and stuff like that. And I, I, I had the boys over in the afternoon, we, we had the three wide screens and oh my gosh, the Oregon Washington game was everything I wanted it to be and more. And then the the games, you know, for, you know, the, the rest of the games on that afternoon and then into the evening, we, we just had a great uh, college football Saturday and very much looking forward to the week ahead. We, we have all the adjusted lines and totals already done. Looking forward to talking about them with you and Froton right now. Yeah, we're going to rock these. You know, funny, I was at, if people can see on the video, anyone's watching, I have the scorpion on my hat. It's Arizona Fall League. It's baseball. I'm a baseball guy. And I was out Saturday, and there was this triple header baseball game going on with all these minor leaguers. But what was hilarious is college football was dominating because we were there all day. The players were there. People were doing triple headers. And I was sitting with some people. We had the Notre Dame game on. We had the Washington game on. Talking with some players. This guy for the Colorado Rockies, Benny Montgomery. Penn State guy asking questions. They're asking scores. I had probably four different players ask about the USC Notre Dame score as well. So college football uh, living beautifully even into the baseball world. Real quick, Froton, how about the uh, player prop market? Was it as maybe less disappointing than uh, some of the lines from early in the week? Well, the player prop markets are never as disappointing as the game markets because it's so much easier to control what one player is going to do as opposed to a whole team. So, yeah, uh, particularly the alt lines, uh, they've been extremely profitable over the since DraftKings put them out pretty much three weeks ago. Hit Tyler Van Dyke on a plus 425, uh, going over 325 yards. He threw for 400. Uh, Bo Nix, uh, he went over his 325 plus alt line. That was a plus 300. And, of course... I the saving the best for last for my friend Thor, none other than Rowan Atkinson, arguably the Charlie, the Charlie Chaplin of our generation, the greatest silent comic known to mankind, British comedy legend Rowan Atkinson, aka Mr. Bean, four hundred and eleven yards. That was a plus five hundred on his top outline. I put all three of those out, and uh, all those came home because the prop markets rule. Mm, mm, mm. I wish it was just legal here where I am. That's all that we're looking for. Come on, baby. Let's get it all. Let's, let's get it all. Let's get going. All right. Uh, speaking of, let's get going into these early line looks here for week eight. We got a good slate of games. We got some adjusted Thor lines at the end. We're going to take a look at for some Tuesday action. And um, Froton has already pinpointed some very interesting matchups where we've seen some line movements. We got a pack slate for you. And speaking of my friend, Benny Montgomery, his Penn State Nitt Nittany Lions. Uh, they are 6-0, 3-0 in the Big Ten. They're going up against Ohio State. We've got an OU line of minus 4.5. This is going to kick us off on Saturday. This is a fantastic game. So, Thor, what are we seeing in this? What kind of value is there? Is there value? And where's the play? 
there's really not in in terms of where my system's at i i'm seeing the line at at four and a half right now my system's line on this game is uh ohio state minus 4.4 i am right where vegas is on this thing uh so you know we're going to be spending the week handicapping this thing but something to keep an eye on penn state's defense has been absolutely nasty this season in particular against the pass so the penn state has the awesome pass rush they also have the awesome secondary there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kyle McCord to make plays in this game. Penn State is able to confront both uh, Harrison and then, of course, Buka is banged up right now. So if, I mean, if if uh, uh, King out there is is able to, you know, not you can't put the, the clamps on Harrison, but at least slow him down a little bit. McCord has to go off to the secondary options and stuff like that. When there is heat in his face, because we know that Penn State is able to generate that, is McCord able to solve complex problems in the moment? We'll see about that. Uh, Penn State is is a very uh, has the very good defense, and Ohio State's uh, running game, as we know, for the the past year and a half, it's been fits and spurts with that. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, again, a lot a lot of pressure on Kyle McCord in this game, and they they got to cover the four and a half points. But I do think it's an objectively fair line with this game being in Columbus. This is not a game to bet this second, at least on the side, um, but it's a game or a side that I will be handicapping this week where my system is showing some value right now on Sunday is on the total. The The total dropped today, 48 and a half. Uh, my system showing a, a total of 64.3. So if, if you're looking for, for value early on, my system would suggest it is on the over right now. Froton, that's exactly where I was going to go with you was going to be not only a, is there a play in your mind, but is the total something you're going to take a look at? So what do you think about Penn state, uh, Ohio state? Yeah, it's interesting. The market opened at 50 and a half and as Thor mentioned, it dropped, but you know, when you're talking about two teams of this caliber, it's, it's hard to really look at it and say that, uh, you know, even though it's a big 10 matchup, this is going to go under. However, I mean, uh, as Thor mentioned, you know, it, Penn State's pass defense has been elite. You know, in terms of team performance, you could argue it's the best performance-wise in the country. But, you know, they haven't really faced an offense that is the caliber of Ohio State. They just went and rolled Massachusetts. But Iowa, no offense, Northwestern, Illinois, West Virginia, you know, none of those teams are throw the ball even at a league average level, I would say. So they haven't been tested in that respect. And obviously, you know, Ohio State has looked a little better with their passing game since Notre Dame. But uh, like you said, you know, there can Ohio State run the ball effectively as well against this uh, Penn State defense. They only put up 60 yards against Maryland two weeks ago. And, you know, no one's talking about Maryland's vaunted defensive front. You know, they 1.9 yards per carry. That's a concern. We didn't have Trevion Henderson last game against Purdue. They didn't need him, obviously, against the Boilermakers. But, man, they're going to need him now. I guess I, – I mean, I'm kind of speculating that they held him off for that reason so that he could be fresh for Penn State in a, you know, who cares kind of a game. But, um, you know, I did like, in terms of the preseason where Penn State was at, they were plus 650, you know, depending on where you were shopping it, to win – the Big Ten, and they have done nothing to dissuade me from thinking that they are a legitimate contender. So uh, I do as well, you know, think, you know, Thor is on the right path. But man, I want to believe in Penn State. You know, I want to believe that this is the year. The, Ohio State's vulnerable. You see the kinks in their armor. And um, Ken Drew Alar, who has not been called upon to do very much this year, they've really relied on that run game. You know, I mean, gosh, you look at him against Iowa. They ran the ball 57 times. Ken Drew Aller, potential first-round pick in 2025, gas it up and really make Ohio State pay. That's really what I'm interested in. I lean Penn State because of my preseason prediction and and the vulnerability that I've seen in Ohio State. All right, so we got a Froton Penn State play. We've got an over according to the adjusted Thor line. A couple plays for you if you guys want to get into that action. Let's go and take a look at a Pac-12 matchup. Wazoo, who has struggled in the Pac-12. They are 4-2. and two. Going up against Oregon, who's coming in at five and uh, five and one, two and one in the Pac-12. Oregon, the early line I see is 18 and a half 
favorite at home. So Thor, is there any value and what play are we looking at, if any, in this Pac-12 matchup? This is one where both my side and my total are right where uh, Vegas is. My uh, side on this one, Oregon minus 19 flat. And my total, the, the, the Vegas one is 60 and a half. Mine is 62 and a half. This one's interesting because both these teams got to pick themselves up off the mat, right? I mean, Wazoo, a team that generally is awesome in Pullman, just got smacked around by Arizona, a game that not a lot of people were paying attention to because there were so many good games going on at the same time. But Noah Fafita and crew went into Pullman and just absolutely annihilated Wazoo. And then Oregon, a team that, I mean, objectively outplayed Washington uh, in Seattle yesterday, but there was all the situational plays, you know, that you, you could isolate it to three or four different plays. They, you know, the, the couple where they went for it on fourth down in the red zone and they didn't get it. And then the very end of the game, they, they didn't get that one. And then it was the short field for Washington. Uh, and then Washington ends up winning that thing by a field goal. Now they got to turn around and, and they get Wazoo at home. So that, that thing will be interesting. I, I did think that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, of course, Michael Penix and the, the Washington, the, 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 their air offense, they're going to get their yards against anybody. But in, in terms of that, I thought Oregon's pass defense acquitted itself well enough. And with how, how bad Wazoo's air offense has been struggling, I think that projects well enough for Oregon's pass defense. That's the one thing you have to be concerned about any team that, that's playing Wazoo. Cam Ward needs to get out of the tank. Uh, you know, you guys know over the summer, I was more down on Cam Ward than just about anybody else, which is why I was more down on Wazoo than anybody else. And then in week two, I, I think maybe on this show, I had to give a public apology to Cam Ward and Wazoo and, and say that I was wrong, giving me a culpa. Now I'm thinking about rescinding that and, and say, you know, Cam Ward and Wazoo is who I thought they were. Now I'm just confused about Wazoo. I, I don't know that I could even give a position on any Wazoo game because now they've they've discombobulated me. It's like, what what team is this? Are they who I thought they were in the summer? Are they you know, who they were the first couple of weeks? Like, I, I'm just confused by this team. But the high and low of it is that the, where this game is in the market right now, it's exactly where my system is. I'm going to leave this one to Froton because Wazoo is confusing the heck out of me. Yeah, Froton, what do you think on this one? That that's, that's some good breakdown on both sides of this. Oregon looks a bit more dominant, but it's a pretty big line. So where's the play for you? A bit more dominant, man. If you ask me this after the Oregon State game where Wazoo was lighting the world on fire and, and looking like it was the, the second coming of the greatest show on turf, but in Corvallis, uh, you know, it would have been a different story. But, you know, they come off of a bye at 4-0, feeling good. They go into UCLA and they only lose 25-17, to but they only had a 3% postgame win expectancy. In each of the last two games, UCLA, Arizona, they have accrued under 235 total yards in each. I mean, that is horrible. And this is a Ben Arbuckle coached offense coming over from Western Kentucky. Keep in mind, Arizona ranks 110th in pasty. And Cam Ward couldn't do anything this past weekend against that Arizona defense. That's a real issue because obviously we're looking at Arizona, who, as Thor pointed out, acquitted themselves well uh, against Washington. Obviously, they could have gotten a little help at the end rather than going for it on fourth and three from about midfield. Maybe you you punt it and you pin them down with inside the 10. And that puts a lot of pressure on Michael Penix to go the full length of the field, which, you know, they, they were moving the ball, but they weren't, you know, there was still some backbone to Oregon's defense. Instead, they give the ball to them at, at half, you know, at, at midfield, right out of the gate, first pass. Penix goes down the left sideline to a Dunze and you see the safety coming over and the safety overruns the throw. If the safety just turns around and looks as the ball's coming up, he swats it right away. And it's a different complexion. You're not on the 20 yard line anymore, uh, but he doesn't. And, you know, a, a, a massive break in coverage causes them to really lose the game at that point. Still Oregon, you know, their ability to run the ball down teams throats. Uh, you know, you saw Bucky Irving still had 121 yards. They were able to assert themselves on the line against, you know, a, a decent Washington front. I can't imagine that you're going to see Wazoo be able to handle and stand up to that sort of, you know, a, an assault that's coming from Oregon, even though the line's pretty high. Like, I, I just, I don't feel comfortable after seeing how badly 
Washington looked last game against Arizona and, and just a, a straight collapse. I don't feel comfortable taking Wazoo pretty much in any circumstance here. So under three touchdowns, I, I think you got to consider Oregon in a revenge, comeback, get right spot. Let's go over to the SEC where Tennessee is going up against Alabama, both one loss teams whole bunch of wins 11 between them Alabama six they'll have to have not lived up to obviously all the expectations and Alabama is coming in as a nine point home favorite Thor, have we found a game where your system has an absolutely nailed where the market is with some value or are we back in line my my line on this game is Alabama minus 7.6 uh you know not over a, a key number in this one uh, Alabama struggled yesterday against Arkansas. They were able to squeak that one out. Arkansas, a super duper uninspiring game. That looked like it could be close to a game where Alabama gets picked up, but they they squeak out another one. Tennessee was a, a little bit more Im- impressive, I, I suppose. Uh, they were able to to beat Texas A and M in in that game. Joe Milton, though, continues to not look very good. Uh, So, I mean, Tennessee can definitely be had, but that was a good spot for Tennessee. They were coming off a bye. Uh, Texas A&M had just played Alabama. Uh, This is a a different situation for Tennessee. Now you have to go into Tuscaloosa. That might explain some of that that tax there. Um, So we'll have to see on that one. Tennessee, they, they profile decent in the matchup here in that they have a really good run defense. They have the, the last couple years, so they're able to address what Alabama wants to do on offense. Milrow's going to have to make some of the throws that, you know, he w- he's been able to in, in recent weeks. And that has ticked up a little bit. That's what he's going to have to do in this game. I'm probably not going to end up betting this one. My system does have a lean towards the over on this one. But I don't love the offenses in this one. And to do so, like to, to bet that over, you have to trust the quarterbacks of this one. I don't trust the quarterbacks. So I'm, you know, and, and both the run defenses are good. And both these offenses, they this year, they have skewed way more towards the run. Um, this one's probably going to end up being a stay away for me. Proton, there was a there's a little bit of movement that you can talk about because I said nine. Uh, some places it might be nine and a half. But talk to us about what some of that uh, line movement has looked like, and is there a play for you in this game? Sure, the marginal uh, line movement on the line itself opened up at eight and a half. Uh, currently, like you said, nine nine and a half. So a slight tick up, but really the the story is, and Thor even alluded to it in in his analysis, uh, opened up the total at fifty two and a half. We're down to 47 and a half right now, you know, depending on where you are in some places. But that's a five point. That's almost, you know, a full touchdown drop. The reason why is, 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 as discussed, neither of these teams are the 2022 versions of either of them. You know, you think of Tennessee, you think of the Josh Heupel, UCF, Tennessee offense, Hunden Hooker, high flying aerial assault, Cedric Tillman, um, you know, uh, Jalen Hyatt. You know, that is the past. Okay. This is not a good passing team. Joe Milton, 11 of 22 for 100 yards against Texas A&M last game. Okay. I talk about, I've talked about Joe Milton till I'm blue in the face about how he got beat out by Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, Hendon Hooker. And now here we are. We're supposed to believe that just because the guy can throw it 80 yards downfield, we're going to have to roll out the red carpet and it's going to be another 45 points a game that we're getting out of Tennessee. That has not transpired to say the least. Frankly, I think against Texas a they had 12 penalties, like 115 yards, Tennessee. If Max Johnson is is not the quarterback, if Connor Wegman is not injured out for the season, I think that Texas A&M wins that game. I, was, I have not been impressed by Tennessee, and they've actually been winning with defense. As you talked about, you know, um, fourth in success rate, only a 30% success rate allowed, 14th in EPA per play. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a ground-based affair. Obviously, Alabama nowadays, night and day from the Bryce Young version, they, they ranked 36th in passing efficiency, like in terms of their overall offensive pass efficiency. They can't run the ball. Ranked 76th in team performance rushing. Jace McClellan has not uh, assumed the mantle that they expected in the Najee Harris, the Brian Robinson role. He didn't just fill right in and become the next great Alabama running back. And this is a young offensive line who's taken some hits. You know, that's why Arkansas was able to stay in the game. They were, they were coming 
they were bringing it against Milrow. And even though, you know, to his credit, Milrow did perform over the past couple of games better in the past game than I kind of expected since his, his ability to handle pressure has not been ideal. He did a pretty good job last game in order to squeak it out. But like I said, I'm in the, I'm in, even though I'm not a Tennessee guy and I don't love Joe Milton, I think you got to kind of take the points here where it's edging up towards 10 because Alabama is playing slow, 103rd pace, breeding close games. That's kind of where I'm at. I agree with the under. Lean towards Tennessee. Give me the points. Friends, download the free Betting Pros app for iOS and Android today. The lines were kind of weird today as we were getting set for the show. As in, like, they were hard to find. <laughs> they were really hard to find out there. Guess where it wasn't? On the Betting Pros app. Was able to go through the top 25 already listed where most places you could not get them. That's only one of, like, a good It's, like, the smallest thing on the planet to sell you guys on the Betting Pros app. We really don't have to sell you because the tools themselves, those are the selling pieces. You can follow experts, top-rated bettors, bettors on hot streaks, and get instant notifications with their new bets when they're placed. Customize your notifications by sport. So you can receive alerts for the bets that interest you. You can even set it up so you can have historically ROI positive markets uh, for certain people because someone might be better in one specific sport or one specific sector. Maybe instead of, you know, if it's let's just say NFL, it's on the prop market instead of the actual sides or totals or obviously in the college football side as well. So take advantage of all these features and more. Download the Betting Pros app by visiting bettingpros.com slash apps or just go to your app store and type in betting pros. Get that locked in, friends. All right, that's going to kind of lock in our early morning, early afternoon games. And we're getting into a little bit later. And we're going to jump over to Minnesota versus Iowa. Six and one, Iowa. Uh, Thor, what do you got on this game? Is there some value as you rock that Iowa hat? Are, are we smashing an Iowa bet this week? Talk to us. This is the Thor Civil War. Yeah. This game. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the only person that would get a big smile on my face talking about uh, this game. Yeah, uh, in Iowa City, which is the only thing that, that brings a frown to my face, or else I could go and sit up in the box for this one. But my line on this game is is Iowa minus 9.2. I there, you know, if I may, I, I've noticed there's been some disrespect in the books towards my my Hawkeyes this year. And you know, I mean, this this goes back a little bit. You know, it's it's like there's the perception in the market that just because, you know, a, a team can't throw a forward pass or can't play offense that, you, you know, you, you can't bet on them, right? Like, I mean, last week they were a double-digit underdog to Wisconsin. That Wisconsin team, they, they, they don't play much offense either. And, uh, you know, Iowa ends up winning that game by nine points, despite the fact that my boy Deacon, front that how many yards did he throw for? Was it 36? I believe it was 30. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. I yeah. was going to say 34, but I, I don't have it offhand. Yeah, so we, that was... Iowa, we don't we don't need to throw for yards to cover games and, and win ball games or make the... Not with LaShawn Williams on the field, baby. That's right, or or, or to, to, to go to Indianapolis and, and make the Big Ten title game. Uh, this one, uh, I think uh, I think old Minnesota's in trouble, if, I, if I'm being honest. Uh, Ethan Kaliak, man, is, is not good. The, the Minnesota offense is terrible, and... Teams that have offenses that are nearly as bad as Iowa's, you are in deep, deep trouble because Iowa, the way that they want to play, it's you get into a boat and they're going to drag you out into deep water and they just want to laugh at you and watch you drown. That's it. They they do the thing where then it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you, you know, get you back deep into your territory and then the three and out and then they'll do the, you know, like you'll they'll be around midfield. They're fine going three and out. And then Tory Taylor, the the awesome Australian punter, he'll cough and corner you, you know, and then it's they just wait until you screw up and then you throw a pick six to Cooper Deshaun, who's going to be a top 10 pick or you have to punt out of your own end zone. Maybe they tip it. Maybe Cooper gets it at the 45 and, and now he returns it for a touchdown. Something like that's going to happen. They're going to win 10 to six or something like that or whatever. This Minnesota team stinks. It's not like the ones the past couple of years where at least they had a fighting shot. And by the way, PJ Fleck, I don't know if he's beaten Iowa yet. I, I, I don't think he has off the top of my head. It's already been a bugaboo for him. I realized that Iowa's, Iowa's offense was already rancid. It was so rancid that they had to put that clause in Brian Ferentz's contract where he had to average 25 points a game. 
which he cat- uh, he categorically is not going to get there. Their offense, <laughs> by the way, it was already terrible. It was so, you know, and, and they went out and they got Cade McNamara, who is injured for the season. They went out and they got Eric All, who is injured for the season. And Luke Lachey, who is their best returning offensive player, he's injured for the season. And they didn't have any receivers. Uh, they, so, like, it's what can they do? They, they have, like, this amalgamation of running backs. That, like, they have a couple of diesel ones. None of them are standouts. So, you know, they're going to try to manufacture some stuff. What they should do is put Cooper DeJean on offense and then have him be their Travis Hunter. They're not going to do that because they lack imagination. They want to do the drag you out to deep waters thing. It doesn't matter. This line is beneath seven. I, I don't really care. They're going to win again. It's going to be like 13 to six or it's going to be, you know, 17 to nine, you know, like it's, it's going to be something like that. My line is Iowa minus 9.2. I like, I, I think I was going to win by seven or more points. I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Iowa in this thing. Interestingly, the total in this game is, is 32.5, which is probably 32 and a half. It, it's probably fair. My system totals 34.2, but I'm, I, I'm telling everyone out there, I, I forbid you from betting the over. I will drive yes. to your house and grab your wrist before you bet the over. Do not bet the over in this game. I love it. Five and a half is that line that I'm currently seeing on Iowa. So that's a key marker that uh, Thor was talking about, Froton. So you got to bet on this? <laughs> I mean, you're obviously, unless you want to visit from Thor, uh, smashing things, you're not going to be playing an over. But is there a total or a, a line or anything different uh, from what Thor was talking about? Well, I mean, his analysis is obviously exceptional. These are the two Thor teams, so I, I will not try to, you know, uh, talk over anything to that effect. I will, I will defer to him, but I will say, um, to speak to the Minnesota offense, uh, if you don't have Darius Rucker-Taylor, I only want to be with you in that backfield back there. They can't do anything. Sean Taylor, all 180 pounds, of Sean Tyler, <laughs> they're not going to be able to run on Iowa with Sean Tyler back there. They need Darius Taylor, their freshman sensation, so badly. If he isn't playing, I mean, I don't understand. You're like, this is a service academy under on a week where we have a service academy game where our Air Force is actually playing Navy. They're at like, they ended up, they started at 38 and a half. They're down to 36 and a half. It's still way lower than a service academy game. So it should tell you what we're getting in here and you can't take it over. So that, that tells you just a little bit what we're dealing with. Um, I, I agree with Thor. That being said, you know, uh, they call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Call him Deacon Hill, the great Jared Lorenzen clone. Maybe not quite the passing acumen, but he has the waistline of Jared Lorenzen, and that's what we're here for. He's winning games, as Thor has mentioned to us. Uh, I will say he was listed at 125 and a half his passing yardage last week. That was absolutely flagrant. I can't believe that, you you know, there is an automatic under at 125 and a half. But if you see Deacon Hill at 125 and a half, if you see, you see Deacon Hill at 100 and a half, you have to take that over as well. So be aware of if they are bold enough at the domestics to list our friend, the great Deacon Blues Hill, Steely Dan. Probably. The passing right yards is. under, passing yards uh, half the weight. So that's uh, yeah, that's always right. an interesting prop there. I, uh, I, I sent out a text about it if Darius is playing versus Iowa. So stay tuned until the end of the show. I'll see if I get a response on that. But either way, the Minnesota offense is not moving the ball much in this game. And a, another thing I'll say is, Again, I am the opposite of a believer of Ethan Kaliak, man, is Minnesota needs to get into the portal to find a new quarterback over the offseason. The nightmare scenario for Minnesota in this game is if you're down late in the game, which almost assuredly they will be, Kaliak Manis has to throw. Uh, Minnesota is not coming in through the back door if they're down in this game. So you can't hope for it. It's going to be the opposite thing. That's when it could be Cooper DeJean time again with the pick six. Ethan uh, does not see the field well. And by the way, his arm is not as good as advertised. You know, I, I live in the cities here and the the gopher coaching staff when when Tanner was the starter here, Tanner Morgan, who uh, it, it was like a, a make a wish thing when he got to spend five days on the Vikings practice squad. I found it was it was funny with the, the Vikings signed him for five days to, to be on there, whatever. So he could say he was, you know, in the NFL. But I uh, the, the Gopher staff that, you know, that that year or two when, when Ethan was was backing them up, they were telling everybody like, oh, 
oh, you know, Ethan, you know, he, he's an NFL player and, you know, he, he's got NFL tools and, you know, all, all this stuff. They were super excited about him. First of all, Ethan does not see the field very well. Second of all, Ethan doesn't have even close to an NFL arm. He's always late on the reads and then the ball doesn't zip out of his hands. It is a bad scenario for them if he has to throw from behind a very bad one. Iowa's going to flip the field on him if that has to happen at all. They baby him with the reads. And again, if if that is what the scenario becomes, uh, Cooper DeJean, his eyes are going to get big as saucers. Now, the Thor Bowl. You guys have officially uh, all your info and your bets for the Thor Bowl coming up. Uh, this week. All right, let's go over to uh, Texas versus Houston. We've got a uh, over three touchdown marker on Texas. I'm not sure what Houston plays into this, but Thor, you got any value, any line stuff on uh, Texas versus Houston as a play that you'd want to jump into early? That was the Thor ball. This is the Tom Herman ball. Um, I, I would say for this. So, so my line on this one is the Longhorns minus 19.4 in Houston. I, uh, interesting one in that Houston absolutely should have lost the last game they they pulled that one out you know with, with that Hail Mary does that you know do you have any residual sort of momentum from that coming into this one I'm not really sure Houston got out gained by West Virginia in that game by over 150 yards and they it was the time of possession was like a discrepancy of like 10 minutes in that game too this Houston team stinks. What what it has, and this is, isn't a surprise from the Dana Holgerson teams of the past, they have uh, two amazing NFL receivers, and the rest of the team is dog poop. Um, so, like, it, you know, can they can, can it give them a fighting chance here against Texas? We'll see. They can generate the big plays because of that. D- they they chose you know it's like an indiana jones remember when the guy grabs the cup and then he's like you chose poorly that's what i would tell holgo about his portal choice with donovan smith i like donovan smith as a quarterback he's just not a system fit for what they do they had to go out and get a pocket passing accurate dude at quarterback donovan smith's not necessarily that he he he's just not they they should have gotten a pocket passing guy to play up the the stud outside and, and the slot receiver that they got there um, but in this game, you do have the line inflation that you're typically going to have to play, you know, or, or pay against Texas. I, I hate to say it, but I would probably have the slightest of leans towards Houston. But I have all kinds of trepidation backing Dana Hogerson specifically on this this team, because I keep waiting for. And, and by the way, the, the last game, I think if they had lost lost to West Virginia in that one, if it simply if. If West Virginia, I can see it in my head. All the West, there was two kids. All they had to do was literally bat the ball down. And instead, what there was two kids that tried to intercept it. The ball went up in the air. And then the Houston, you know, right to the Houston kid, he catches it. If one of them West Virginia kids had just batted the ball down, we are officially on Dana Holgerson watch. The Fertitas, the Fertita brothers, they're basically the owners of the Houston College Athletics Program. They have more money than God. They're just waiting for the moment that they can buy out Dana Holgerson. Now the Cougars are in the Big 12. They'll go out. They can go and get any guy that they want. And if you don't think people like the Fertitta brothers have seen what Deion Sanders has done at Colorado, the and I'm not talking about the Stanford game on Friday, but the excitement that he brought there and all the, the revenue, the, the, um, the, the different uh, the things that they've sold there, the TV, all that different stuff, the media – you're kidding yourself. The Fertitas are just waiting until they can make a hire like that and then have the transfer portal build that program up in the same way that Dion did. They have all the facilities there, and you're in Houston, one of the great recruiting uh, fertile grounds in, in America. Um, this is a game where you know you could be teetering there again if Houston starts to get drilled. But objectively, just by the data and the numbers, there is a little bit of value on Houston, and it is over key numbers. But because of that, I will probably end up staying away. My system also says that that we're right there with the total, and there's not value that on either. I'm probably going to stay away, but I'll, I'll be investigating this one a little bit more during the week. First, I what about you there. There is a little bit of value there on that Houston side that crosses that three touchdown uh, threshold. Is that a Houston play for you? Is there a Texas player, or is this a big stay away? Houston has played UTSA, Rice, TCU, Sam Houston, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Not exactly a murderer's row. In zero of those games outside of Sam Houston State, they beat them. 
they have had a 28% win percentage or less in every single game. They had a 21% post-game win expectancy last game against West Virginia. And it speaks more to how the Neil Brown regime has gone uh, at West Virginia than it really does about how great Dana Holderson, anything he really did in terms of that game. So uh, I have no faith in this Houston team, as discussed. Uh, if, if West Virginia doesn't go into like a pseudo prevent in that second half, you know, because as discussed, Donovan Smith, he had about 40 yards passing at halftime. He was, they weren't doing anything at halftime. They could barely run though. Outside of a, a 58 yarder by Stacy Sneed, they weren't doing anything on the ground either. It, it is a true miracle that they were able to pull this off. I do not feel comfortable taking Houston in any circumstance against Texas. Absolutely not. Especially, you know, post Warpath, OU, Texas. I do like the idea of the over 61 and a half, you know, right around where it's at right now, simply for the fact that I, I think that it's not going to be even a remote challenge for Texas to score on Houston's 109th ranked defense overall. And I do think that, you know, once they get up, Houston will be able to do play the prevent game and and probably have a have a go at this. I think it ends up going over at the end of the day. All right, let's go over. This is a great game here. We've got Duke going up and battling against Florida State in ACC matchup. 6-0 Florida State is a 13.5-point favorite. Looks like it's teetering. There might even be some line movement that we've seen. We'll get with Froton here in a second. But Thor, is there a bet for Florida State here, or is Duke going to come and spoil the party? Yeah, I, I would be on Florida State here because I, I don't think Riley Leonard going to be back in this one. Um, the the you know last week Duke, Duke was able to smoke around or smack around the uh, the zombie North Carolina State team that uh, I I'm sick of watching North Carolina State. We we talked about that this year. Um, North Carolina, you can't even beat Duke without Riley. You can't even be viable. I think I think that game was twenty four to three. Um, I, I again get North Carolina State. Get off my TV. Sick of watching you guys. Um, and kudos to Duke. You know, for I, I, I'm so impressed with Mike Elko. You know, s- sort of going the other way. It's like the circumstances don't matter. They'll figure it out. Uh, you know, and they, they show like the the cameras in the locker room, and it's like it reminds me of when I was in high school, like in in my locker room in Brainerd, Minnesota. Um, you know, the the facilities that they have there. But it's a different thing now. You got to go to Tallahassee and you got to play this this Florida State team, which just had like a ritualistic killing of Syracuse. Uh, And and with the line where it is right now, it's under four touchdowns. Florida State is starting to turn it on. You guys remember, was it two weeks ago when it was it was the red bandana game and uh, Florida State played way down in that one? And, you know, it was like they got a little bit of a scare, but then they had the, I think they had the bye week. And then Trey Benson had talked during the bye week of Florida State had really struggled to run the ball up till that point. And Trey Benson's like, we're going to figure out the run game. We have to figure out the run game. And then coming out of that, Trey Benson runs for like 200 yards on 11 carries against Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech team that's now playing, playing a bit better, uh, surprisingly. Um, and then, uh, and you know, they Florida State smacks them around. Then they they smack around Syracuse. I I mean, Mike Elko is he has forgotten more about defense than most of these coaches will ever know. But I don't know how he is going to contend with this Florida State team. And once the Florida State offense starts going, now that they can run the ball, and then we have to keep an eye on the status of Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson missed the last game. But if they get and, and I don't know, I, I I don't know what this, you know, we'll have to monitor that this week. But if Florida State's able to get Johnny Wilson back, but, you know, even irregardless, you have a first round receiver out there anyway with with Keon Coleman. They have so they have so many weapons. They're getting that running game going. Going to be hard for Duke to contend with that. And then once that offense gets going, you don't have Riley Leonard, I, I would assume. I, I think he's going to be out for multiple more weeks. How are you going to keep pace on the scoreboard? Getting this thing beneath two touchdowns. I, I think the play here is Florida State. Well, Froton, I think we saw it over the two touchdowns, and it looked like it moved in favor of Duke a little bit early on. So talk to us about the line movement and what that means for you if you're placing a bet on this game. That is correct. It opened up at 14 and a half. Um, you know, actually, it's currently 14 and a half. It should be, what is it? Actually, where is it right now? I said 13 at 13 and a half. 
Minnesota 13, open up at 14 and a half, moved down a little bit. Um, but really, again, we're looking at the totals and it started out at 51 and a half down to 49. Actually saw across that threshold in a couple books if you shop it a little bit. And it just goes to, to show these are a couple teams that are fairly slow paced. Uh, obviously, Duke is famously, as, as Thor covered, you know, succinctly, uh, very defense-based. They're going to want to run the ball and try to protect them. However, you've got Henry Bellin V. Henry V, a Shakespeare play. We've all seen it. And, and a great movie, Kenneth Branagh, incredible uh, 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 director. You should all check that out uh, if you want to get your Shakespearean history in. But Henry Bellin IV is not quite uh, up to Riley Leonard's standards. Uh, only completed four passes last game against NC State. Through two touchdowns, they were bombs, you know, to his credit, Jalen Gal- Calhoun. But um, you're going you're gonna to need some Riley Leonard here. I know he had a sprained ankle in the last play of the game, his previous game for Duke. Um, clearly, they held him out, and they managed to still go in, and handle NC State. But, I, I mean, you need Riley Leonard to be in this game. You need that to happen. If Riley Leonard is not playing, this is going to be a bloodbath. Mike Elko or not, they're not going to be able to keep pace because they got Jared Burris and still an excellent defense over there with Florida State, you know, to their own credit. They've played some tough teams, you know, they've had a good schedule uh, to kind of deal with. But um, I do think that the under is looking pretty appealing to me, especially if that happens, uh, since that will be kneecapping a run-based Duke offense. All right, we got two more games on our main slate, and we'll do some quick hitters on some uh, line adjustments and some interesting lines. We've got another Pac-12 matchup. Utah going up against disappointing USC, who got smacked around by Notre Dame. Uh, But USC is coming in as a four and a half point favorite. Had they beat Notre Dame, I wonder how much bigger, how much, how bigger this would have been. Maybe even over a touchdown. But what do you think? Four and a half on the line, Thor. Utah, USC. USC cannot stop anybody. Only themselves lately. So, what do you think? <laughs> uh, Utah, if they, if again, if if Cam Rising and, and Keithy aren't back again, they're going to say hold my beard, and we'll see about that. But yeah, you're 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 totally right about that. What a what a what a what a strange performance by uh, USC last night. Um, you know, you guys know I was on Notre Dame in that game. I, w- I was pretty confident, and uh, even I was having a hard time wrapping my head around that. One of my buddies, uh, you know, I told you guys I had buddies over last night, and uh, we uh, we we ordered Indian food and we bet the tab on it. My my buddy who was over, he was he was very confident in USC. I, I was pretty confident in Notre Dame, and uh, I, even sitting there, I was I was I, I just couldn't put it to words. I, I was so stunned with how poorly USC was playing, and then I guess you know by def, you know the, the other side, how well. Notre Dame was playing, but um, it, it's going to be tough for USC to, to sort of pick themselves up off the ground. You wouldn't assume that that Caleb Williams plays as as poor as he you know did last time again, but I think there are some things in there that are endemic to just the team of USC. Again, I, I don't think Caleb Williams plays as poor as he, he did again, but the other stuff, I, I'm not sure how some of those things get corrected. One of them is he doesn't have another singular talent with him on offense, right? Like last year, he had Jordan Addison. They don't got another guy like that. Uh, I think in a year, uh, Branch becomes one of those guys. I, you know, after the first game, I was saying Branch is their best skill guy. Play Branch. Later in the year, you're going to need Branch. Because you don't got one of them. Taj Washington's not a, a guy. He's not a number one guy. He's going to be maybe drafted like mid to late day three, maybe. Uh, uh, Dorian Singer, it's the same thing. He can't create separation. That's why you see him shove people every time, like at the catch point. He's got great hands, absolutely great hands. But he he just, he just doesn't. You know, he, he needs to shove people to get separation. That's all the guys. Their tight ends are, it's the same thing. Uh, and, and the running back, uh, Marshawn and, and Austin, they're okay, you know, but they're mid to late day three guys too. And so it, the offensive line, it's, man, it's okay. You know, and, and, and then the defense is horrid. It just is what it is. It, so it's Caleb Williams propping up all these other mediocre players. Uh, that's what we're going to get the rest of the season. The Utah team gave them some real problems last year, as, as you boys know, but again, this this Utah team is severely depreciated by injuries itself. We, I mean, we 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 that's been the case all season. 
they've been without, you know, we talk about Cam Rising and Keithy all, you know, every single week, but it's been more than that. They've been the mash unit, the walking wounded every single week. And every single week we're like, is this the week for camera? You know, it's, it's just a broken record. We're going to have to monitor that situation. And then, you know, the other part of the handicap is can USC pick themselves up from that embarrassment? I do believe Caleb Williams that the game on Saturday, that's going to be by far the worst game of his college career. You believe that he will bounce back in a big way, but the other stuff I think that remains. His teammates, they're just not that great. It, that is what it is. He's he going to have to play Superman the rest of the year. And Utah's defense is really good. But, you know, who else is coming back on Utah? I'm not sure. My my adjusted line on this game is USC minus 6.1. So I am showing a little bit of value on USC. You rarely get that. Usually you have to p- pay the tax on USC. This week it's different. Uh, today, of course, on Twitter, everyone's saying, oh, Caleb Williams is overrated. And now Drake May is that, you know, you always get the overreaction the day after you're getting the overreaction in the market the other way. I'll probably be on USC in this game, honestly. Uh, but barring, I, I have to look into the injury information once again on, on Utah. Um, there was a story in the athletic last week where the surgeon for both Keithy and rising was talking to the athletic about their prognosis and stuff like that. I'm going to look a little bit more into that. I, I know that this was a target date for Utah coming off the bye week looking at, uh, or not, not the bye. That was the week before last week. They or I'm sorry. On, on Saturday, they played Cal, which is a quasi bye week but they were circling the USC game as a potential return date. That, that's something that you do have to monitor, but um, you know, just in, in sort of a, a vacuum, this is a game that they would want to, but we'll have to see on that. But USC outside of that would be a quasi sort of lean for me early in the week. All right, Farrakhan, what do you think? USC, Utah, what type of line movement? I think we've seen a little bit early on uh, as this uh, just dropped on Sunday. And are you a Dak Prescott molds into Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams meme type of guy? That, that was the big meme we saw on Sunday, late Saturday. Was It was Dak Prescott or Caleb that would just fade into um, to Dak Prescott. So, listen, as somebody who, you know, during Caleb's, before he even played it down on Caleb's freshman year, watched his uh, spring game where Spencer Rattler went out there and, and was middling and Caleb went 11 for 11 and looked like God incarnate on that field. I knew right away, it was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is happening. It's happening way sooner than anybody really thinks because he is right out of the gate better than Spencer Rattler and it happened. Um, that being said, you know, obviously that, that was, that was, as Thor said, that was his worst performance of his entire career. It's hands down. It's just what it was. And, and I mean, JT, JD Bertrand was all over the backfield. I mean, he was abusing that left tackle for a USC for Notre Dame. But what, what I really found interesting is, you know, uh, deservedly so, Mr. Alex Grinch, who I, I can't believe I've said it before. I'll say it until it happens. I don't know why he hasn't gotten the Lane Kiffin tarmac treatment. If Lane Kiffin gets the tarmac treatment in USC, Alex Grinch deserves the tarmac treatment. Surprisingly, their defense only gave up 251 total yards last game against Notre Dame. The reason why is because they kept getting the ball on the 20-yard line going in because of the ungodly turnovers that we saw from Caleb. I mean, just an absolute breakdown catastrophe that we could say from an offensive standpoint from USC. We haven't seen them be even remotely that bad all season. And this was their game. I just kind of had to figure that something was going to give. But, you know, it wasn't like Notre Dame did anything amazing execution-wise on offense. They were just handed a golden ticket and walked into the Willy Wonka factory end zone. And and 48 to 20 later, it's it's over. That being said, you know, this is Utah. This doesn't have the steady hand of Sam Hartman in there. Nate Johnson, you know, we, we were throwing him in. Oh, nope, we're going to go. Not this game. They go and cite Bryson Barnes last game against Cal. He only threw 21 passes. Sione Vaki goes for 158 and two touchdowns on 15 carries last game. Uh, maybe taking over that number one role over Jaquinta Jackson. So Utah wants to run the ball on you. They want to run the ball over you. And, you know, the good thing is this is the defense to do that against USC ranked 115th in terms of rushing performance. Not good at all. Um, But like you said, is Cam Rising going to be there? Because 
I don't think we see that same Caleb. I don't think that we're going to see, you know, another three interception performance, despite the fact that Utah's got an incredible D that I have a great deal of respect for because my cousin Cole Bishop is on it. Obviously, I have to mention that anytime we talk about Utah. But, um, I, I mean, I just don't feel confident taking Utah with, if they don't have rising there. I mean, I got to think that that is going to get exposed. They've already had that kind of happen before. They're not scoring points unless it's Cal that they're playing against. I, I got to back USC. I got to go, even though they're coming off a bad game, I got to, I'm going in the points and I'm going with them. All right. Final one on the main slate. We've got uh, two, four and two ACC teams, Miami hosting Clemson Thor. Do we have any line value? Do we have anything we want to bet on this bad boy on final one on our big slate? Yeah, I got this one as a pick em. and, and it's, you know, Clemson minus three in the market right now. I think the the market is is fading Miami because of you know two weeks ago you had the implosion by Cristobal and then last week they lose by uh, ten to um or you know to UNC they they had a shot to backdoor that one depending on the line you got you know at the end they were they were driving there I was on UNC so I I was happy they they didn't they didn't backdoor we were we were watching that one there on on a secondary screen. But uh, this Miami team is is decent, you know, barring the the Cristobal thing there and, and whatnot. And uh, it, you know, this one just comes down to can they they pick themselves up off the mat, you know, now that they're they're season, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But like, I didn't think that they were going to make the college football playoff. You know, I, I think only the most diehard Hurricane fans would have thought that. And by the way, Clemson, their season dreams are already done too. So I mean, like. You know, I mean, it, it just is what it is. You, you just sort of put this one in the on-field thing. Miami's got home field advantage here. That Miami generally does not have a home field advantage when it's, a, you know, one of the small games. Like, people don't fill the stadium, whatever. They typically do when it's a big game. And Clemson is, is very clearly a big game. You know, th- this is going to be on national television and different stuff like that. Um, this is a shot to pick Clemson off. And I think this Miami team is decent. You know, people are going to get off them now because they've they've lost two straight. But you know, it's they should have obviously they they literally should have beaten. They had that game against Georgia Tech, and then they were at least competitive in that uh, the game against UNC last week. So uh, I for me, this game, it, what the line should be is pick them. Uh, it's just you know the, because of circumstances of of, of those ones is why the line is minus three and maybe some name brand uh, taxation on Clemson. I'm give me uh, 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 Miami getting those three points where it's it's just inflation there. All right, Froton, quickly, what do you like on this one, Miami Clemson? Yeah, man, you got a feel for Miami. You know, eighty nine percent win expectancy. The infamous crystal ball uh, calamity there uh and then last week last game against north carolina they didn't play badly like they were right there with the north carolina team that's proved themselves to be a legitimate contender here like you know they have fixed the wrongs on defense through you know portal obviously we talked about colorado but man unc on defense went and hit the portal hard this offseason and it's making a legitimate difference they had a 60 percent win expectancy miami did against north carolina this game and I'm a big Tyler Van Dyke guy. I have 18 shares. Tyler Van Dyke's fantasy. Hey, you know, I, I I'm here for Tyler Van Dyke. If Will Levis can get drafted in the second round because of his arm, I've seen Tyler Van Dyke test passing windows a lot more effectively than what I saw Will Levis do. So I, I like Tyler Van Dyke. I am on Miami because of that. Clemson just you, if you talk about, you know, quarterbacks who have lost uh, luster in terms of NFL eyes, you know, from the 2025 class, look no further than Kate Clue. I mean, it hasn't not been an impressive job. 86 in terms of passing performance for Clemson. Um, they played pretty well against Florida State. That was probably – that was a legit toss-up that game. But they're all defense, and I think that Miami is good enough to move the ball against them. I don't know if Clemson is good enough to move the ball against Miami when they need to. So I'm leaning with the kids. All right, final up here, Thor. We got a couple Tuesday games that popped up on the adjusted Thor line. Uh, people also can make sure you're following uh, Thor on the Betting Pros app so you can see when some of these bets are going to be placed. But uh, Thor, quickly at the end here, give us those two Tuesday lines and what that value is looking like. Yeah, a couple Tuesday specials, uh, specials for you guys. Uh, at both home teams here, I'm showing line value on and, and two that I've hit already today. Uh, Liberty 
uh, hosting Middle Tennessee. I was really surprised when this line dropped. At my book, I got Liberty minus 13 and a half. The line right now live, it, it toggled up to 14, but you can still get 14. My line on this is Liberty minus 18, and I think that that is a fairer line. Liberty can run all over Middle Tennessee's terrible defense. We've seen this in, in Middle Tennessee's games. Uh, they, they've been playing on, on the weeknights, whatever. And then meanwhile, you flip the field. Middle Tennessee, all they do is pass. They just, you know, that's the offense with Stockdale. It's just pass, pass, pass. And the Vadiato kid, he makes mistakes and, and whatnot. Liberty, their defensive strength, they're really good with the pass uh, success rate. So th- th- that is going to be a real problem for Middle Tennessee's passing offense there. And again, just objectively in a vacuum, this line does not go far enough. So so hit Liberty on that one, especially with it 14 or, or even lower than that. And then the other one, uh, with a home dog, and you have to love that, particularly when it's rich rod like it is in this case. Western Kentucky going to Jacksonville State. Line right now, you can get Jacksonville State plus seven. My line on that one is Western Kentucky minus 2.2. So I'm showing a discrepancy of almost five points of line value for Jacksonville State. So I also hit the fight in rich rods today. I think uh, uh, Jacksonville State is going to be able to run all over that Swiss cheese Western Kentucky defense, which, again, we've seen Western Kentucky on these weeknight games. That defense stinks, and everybody can you know run on them and, and, and whatnot. They, they give up yards left and right. Jacksonville State's defense is pretty salty, and, and we've seen that as well. Jacksonville State's going to do the tempo, tempo, tempo thing. I think that game is closer to a coin flip than this line is indicating to the market. So hit Jacksonville State and hit Liberty. All right, Froton, uh, you brought, bust us through. You've got four just quick line uh, movements that people need to pay attention to. What did you What did you spot? Yeah, Baylor at Cincinnati. This opened at minus three and a half, 47 and a half on the total. That has since gone in different directions. Uh, gone down to minus one and a half with Cincinnati favored and then has bumped up to 51 and a half on the total. Obviously, the Dave Aranda Baylor Bears. This is not the Baylor Bear defense that we have seen in the past. It isn't the offense either, but definitely not the defense. Um, and then on the other side, Mem- uh, another game. Memphis at UAB. This opened at plus seven and a half that UAB was getting. It has actually gone down uh, towards UAB uh, plus four and a half. So they've actually, you know, it has come closer by a full field goal. Uh, UTSA at Florida Atlantic opened at 62 and a half on the total is now down to 58 and a half. And that is a real indictment on this UTSA team. Uh, Jeff Trailer lost their guru offensive coordinator, Willie Stein, has really had a drastic effect on this offense. This is not the UTSA of last year. And then finally, you have Texas Tech at BYU. Uh, that game opened up at a 56.5 total. It is now down to 51.5. Anybody who watched that BYU-TCU game of from Saturday, BYU could do nothing against a very passive TCU uh, defense. I just think they are not ready for prime time at this point. They need to to restock the cupboard if they're going to be able to compete week in and week out in the Big 12. This is a team that BYU is used to playing, you know, maybe five Power 5 teams all year. You know, they usually load up that G5 schedule. Not anymore. This is a bad spot for them. I like Texas Tech. Betting pros, go over there right now, bettingpros.com. Yes. I'm sorry, but before you you start the – you scared me. The end. What are we doing? I'm sorry. I promise. I promised the folks before the end of the show, I would have breaking news, and I do. I, I have breaking news. I uh, the Iowa Minnesota game. Uh, as to the the status of uh, Darius and um, Cody Lindenberg. So the star running back for Minnesota is going to play. He will be back for that game, and then um, also the middle linebacker for Minnesota who was all Big Ten last year. He has not played in one game this year. He was a surprise inactive in the first game, and then he hasn't played for one game this year. He will be making a season debut against Iowa in that game. So something for people to keep an eye on. Minnesota will be healthier in that game going to Kinnick than they've been all season. So I I just thought I'd toss that out. 
That's beautiful stuff. That's uh, betting pros right here. We got you hooked up on the early line look, and we do all week long. Thor is going. We got the Thor shows that we guys want to make sure that you're checking out. Uh, I filled in and Bogman did last week. There might be one more in there, but check, make sure you're locked into the Betting Pros YouTube channel, youtubecom uh, pros where you can get the Wednesday show where we're previewing the week on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern. Mike Farrell and Thor are doing all the live stuff, getting you locked in at the very end. And make sure go to uh, bettingpros.com you can check all the lines not just in like one specific place but you can see where the best and where the worst odds are what all the books have and you can download the app and you can start following all your favorite betters get notifications for all the bets that you need follow these fine gentlemen thor ku at cf froton you can follow me at is it the welsh that's it that's all we have thank you guys for hanging out with us for the week eight early line look we'll talk to you next time right here on betting pros Thanks for listening to the Betting Pros podcast. Follow us on X and TikTok at Betting Pros and Instagram at Betting Pros NFL. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash bettingpros.